the official podcast of Somos Unidos News and your source for the latest news on New Mexico United. I'm one of your hosts this week, Seth Bidoff, and on this week's show, we're going to take a look back at the first half of the season and look ahead not only to the final seven matches. That's right, guys, seven matches left in the regular season, uh, but we're also going to look at this weekend's match against Colorado Springs. This is episode number 12 of our show, and we are incredibly grateful to everyone who has downloaded and supported our show week in and week out. Uh, every week we are growing, and part of that growth is, of course, what we're seeing here live tonight on Twitch. This is our third or fourth episode now that we've recorded live over here on Twitch, and we wanted to give you guys, our listeners, a chance to come in and be a part of the show live. Uh, we will be taking your questions and comments throughout the show, and if you are here in the chat and leave us a comment, um, those that will, of course, make it into our show that we put across, put out on platform podcast platforms all around the world. Um, and of course, we don't want just New Mexico United folks. If you are a supporter of another club, you just want to come hang out and talk some USL with us, that's perfectly okay. Like, we're, we're glad to have anyone here. Um, and of course, you know, I think it makes for a, a great discussion. Uh, if you're watching live on the stream, you've already heard from my, my friend, my partner, my co host, Jacob. I'm going to bring him in here in just a second to the, to the podcast proper. Uh, but before we do that, I do, of course, want to direct you guys over to our website, dadventuresmedia.com. Uh, and I want to remind you guys that we do have written content up each and every week uh, prior to and after every match. And Prior to last Saturday's match, Jacob actually posted a piece, and we're going to go into that a little bit here tonight. We're going to talk talk about his uh, midseason picks for the club. Uh, we'll get my thoughts in there as well. If you're here in the chat with us tonight, we'll get your guys' input as well. Uh, so be sure to go check that out, thestadventuresmedia.com. And not only do we have coverage of New Mexico United over there, we also have a blog where we talk about our lives as dads and all the different things that go along with that. Uh, it's a partner to our other podcast that we do, the Dad Ventures Podcast. You can, of course, check that out as well. And we do have some video game coverage over there as well. And we are working on getting updated content uh, as we go forward. Now, all that out of the way, I want to bring in, of course, my friend, my partner, my co-host. I've already mentioned him once. Jacob, how are you doing, man? I know we were talking before the show. Uh, you guys have been a little bit busy. Your wife just got back into town. Um, so it sounds like you had a little bit of quiet time. I did. I had uh, a little bit of time to just hang out at the house by myself and eat some food that the other guys won't eat and watch some TV that the other people won't watch and um, just relax, go to bed whenever I wanted to, not have to worry about trying to get the kids to bed and fight that. So it was it was a one nice night, and uh, then I got another one coming up this weekend, so... In fact, uh, Saturday for the match, I will be home by myself, so I'll be able to fully enjoy it distraction-free and uh, hopefully write something right after and not be distracted about it and stuff like that. So um, looking forward to the match anyways. It's always bittersweet when everybody's gone because I do enjoy my alone time, but at the same time... uh, the kids aren't home and that's kind of weird. So yeah, I'm a little bit, kind of a little bit jealous of that. You know, I would love to be able to sit down and watch a match um, without direct without interruption, you know, d- during the actual match time. Uh, of course, for me, I typically have to watch it later in the evening after the match is already concluded. So I typically already know the result, but go back and watch it at like 11 o'clock midnight uh, before I get to do my stuff. But uh, I, I completely understand the feelings, you know, about being away from your family. And it's always tough, especially when you're so used to them being around. I know that I would be in the same boat here. Like if I had 
you know, a couple of days without my wife and kids. So, yeah, it's, uh, the watching, I don't know how you go back and watch matches after you already know. Like if I, there have been a few matches where I've been, uh, busy during the match and had to go back and, and catch up after the fact. And I literally just shut off social. I don't get on social media. I don't get on ESPN. I don't do anything, um, until we get home and I can turn it on and not know what had happened and watch it from there. Like, in fact, last Saturday we were at my cousin's house when it first started, uh, and I didn't get home till about halftime and had no idea what was going on. I just, I had my wife actually go to the ESPN app on the fire TV and find the game and rewind it to the beginning. And then I came into the room. Yeah. It's definitely a different perspective when you watch it. Um, after the fact compared to live. Uh, I always prefer to watch it live whenever I can, but there are just sometimes where you, you, know, you just can't do it. So, um, I mean, you, you, you guys get busy with family stuff or work. You know, I, I typically work during most of the matches uh, since we don't have anything here in Albuquerque. So just trying to, working, trying to be working, sorry, and, uh, you know, making a little bit extra money. So uh, I definitely try to turn off social when I can, especially like Twitter. That's the big one. Um, and then of course, you know, ESPN alerts. So I, I try to avoid them as best I can, but there is stuff that, you know, just pops up from time to time. They just can't help seeing. So, but yeah, it's, it's definitely strange, you know, uh, having to go back and do that when, when watching it live, I think has its benefits, but of course there's also a benefit to watching it after the fact, because then like, you know, you can pause it, rewind it and all that kind of stuff and, and go back and rewatch highlights. You know, I know during one of the, last week's matches i probably watched one of the goals like four or five times trying to make sure that you know i had information right for my article so there, there's a pros and cons to doing it either way well when it's on espn plus you can always pause and rewind um which is really nice like i said last week i got it in like halftime and i rewound it all the way back to the beginning um and then fast forwarded through the hydration break and halftime and the other hydration break and any injuries and stuff like that i can just click the fast forward button a couple times and and uh not have to sit through it yep always one of the great things about espn plus and guys if you don't have espn plus go sign up for that you can catch every single new mexico united match live uh we are not sponsored by espn plus but jacob and i are both subscribers to that service and it allows us to not only watch new mexico united week in and week out but we can watch any USL match uh, in its entirety uh, on demand or live should we desi so desire to do so. Um, but yeah, definitely great service. Everyone should be checking that out. Um, I know that it's been a fun, it was a fun eight day stretch over the past, uh, over the past week for United and United supporters. Uh, nine points from eight mat from three matches, uh, including six points against the defending champion, Real Monarchs. Um, it's been, I don't, I don't, I think, you know, I think, what was it two weeks ago we sat down, we gave our predictions or what we thought would be a good road trip for United coming off of the Phoenix loss. And I think we said what, seven points would be a great road trip. Yeah. Um, I thought, uh, two wins and a draw would, uh, would be the most likely outcome. I, I gotta say though, as the week progressed, you know, after, 
after the Colorado Springs match and then about halfway through the Wednesday match against the Monarchs, I was like, man, these guys just look, we looked really good and they looked really bad. And I would, at that point, I think I would have been surprised if we didn't get the nine points. Yeah. I think a lot of folks probably felt the same way. And, you know, we knew going in that Real had not been a good club throughout the season. Um, They they had lost a lot of folks and, it was going to be a bit of a, a struggle for them. And, but I don't think anyone expected this. Uh, I mean, United got one clean sheet allowed uh, against Real, had two clean sheets in eight days, allowed one goal overall. And I just want to point out, I nailed both predictions last week. You uh, did. <laughs> I was sitting there talking with Aaron about it, watching the match Saturday night. I said, I, I, I nailed both predictions. Like, absolutely just nailed them i was i was i was really pleased with myself so i was happy that i called the alternative lineup is what i'll go ahead and call it on wednesday um because i did think that we were going to see new faces which honestly i mean it might not have been there a lot of people could have thought that and figured that out seeing as we were going to have three matches in eight days but um i i missed that by i think you said two nil i said one nil yeah. Uh, because I thought that we were going to have an alternative lineup. And ironically enough, the quote alternative lineup played way better. I thought than the Saturday match. Um, like if you just look at one, we had a clean sheet uh, Two, we had, I think way more chances in that first match. Um, now uh, Romeo couldn't finish most of those chances, uh, any of those chances of his, and we will touch on that later. Um, but yeah, I, I thought that they played really well on Wednesday, uh, even with a lot of the normal starters out and honestly could have made my prediction of, Oh, I think it'll be one nil. Cause we'll have some starters sit, uh, some normal starters sit. could have looked really stupid. It looked pretty bad anyways. Uh, but it could have looked really bad had they actually scored as many times as they could have. Yeah, no, it was a very good match for United. I mean, I will say that I think with that lineup, I don't think – I think for me going into it, I expect us to come up with a stronger lineup on on Wednesday than on Saturday. Um, but I was I was very pleased with the way we with the way we played Wednesday night. Yes, we exceeded a lot of possession, but I think we were more than willing to sit back and let Real try to attack, knowing that they couldn't, they didn't have the the bodies necessary, they didn't have the talent necessary to put enough goals past us. So I think Troy was very was perfectly okay letting them have. I think it was like sixty two percent possession or something like that Wednesday night. And then we flip flopped that on Saturday, and we actually had sixty two, I think, percent of the possession on. On Saturday night, uh, funny enough. Yeah, it was a very, a very different uh, look between the two lineups. I mean, Wednesday obviously was more of a traditional three-four-three, um, and then Saturday night, of course, you know, you got everyone back in. You know, Bees who came out after the fact and said that he felt really refreshed, despite you know he was disappointed to not play Wednesday night. Uh, but he understood why Troy did it, and he felt really good going to the match Saturday. And of course, Bees got another goal. Bees plays, B scores. That's all there is to it. Um, you know, United just 
has looked so good these past three matches. And they're really starting to pull away from the rest of the group. Um, yes, El Paso does still have one match in hand, but even even if you add that in right now at this point, if El Paso did have one more win on their on their schedule, they would still be four points back. And with seven matches to go, I mean anything is still anything is still possible. But they still have to play us what twice more, I think it is. If we get the, we get the schedule up on the screen behind us here, yeah, yeah, we got two more against El Paso, so. I just I don't even with even if you go ahead and count one more for El Paso I don't think they've got a shot but you know, we can we can take a look at that in that here a little bit you know we talk about our, our second half predictions but well you want to go over uh, my article for the first half or would you like to jump right into the games we already started kind of touching on the games but yeah we already started uh, touching that we um we did have i think two pieces of news this week we'll hit those real quick uh first and foremost uh today it can't the news came out from the club the saturday september 5th match against el paso that was of course supposed to be the next first match at home has been relocated to el paso i think we both kind of predicted this both kind of saw this coming uh, were you really surprised by the news today from the club? No, and uh, you mentioned in the the video press conference uh, about Bees talking about how he was sad not to play on Wednesday. Uh, I caught it. Troy said that um, there were some questions about playing on the road and stuff, and Troy said, "Well, we're just we know that the next two matches are on the road, and we're just going to focus on yada yada yada." And I was looking at the schedule, and I was like, "Well, I guess that means El Paso switched, even though it." I didn't think it had been announced. And then sure enough, today we get the announcement that um, it has been moved to El Paso, um, which El Paso isn't that far. I I think the guys kind of like playing down there. Um, And hopefully with uh, there were some restrictions kind of lifted um, a little bit here today here in New Mexico. Uh, with some restaurants and churches being able to open up to more people and some stuff like that. And then the CDC has uh, um, kind of stopped saying to quarantine for 14 days when you come into a new area. So hopefully um, this will be the last one that gets post or that gets moved to an away venue and we can start on the next match after that with uh, some home matches. Yeah, we can only hope. I didn't catch the governor's press conference today, so I don't know necessarily. I mean, other than the restaurant and places of worship change, I didn't really catch anything. Uh, there, I mean, obviously, that's good news. Um, was there something else that came out of that today? There, no, not really. Uh, that was basically it. There was some talk about schools, but nothing definitive. Um, and I didn't, I didn't watch all of it either. I uh, just got the cliff note version uh yeah. from a couple different sources and that was the the church one and the and the restaurant one were the two main changes and then you can now instead of just gathering in groups of five you can now gather in groups of 10 oh 10 all right so let's see let's get uh you me uh josh and, earl uh, earl uh, uh, sombrero man 
and <laughs> let's get a couple more folks together and see if we can't go out to uh you know the lab and or you know uh, UNM soccer complex and see if maybe we can't get in or something I don't know but we'll figure yeah, something out yeah we'll, we'll, we'll hop the fence or something but uh yeah no it's I don't know honestly like I don't know um I, I at this point we have five more opportunities for home matches I mean I think it would be great to end the match on you know having those matches at home but i mean honestly i don't know i don't know if it's going to happen i would love for it to and even if they did allow united to 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 stay and play we're still not going to have fans in the stand in the stadium yeah Um, that's true so i mean hopefully at the very least if we do get you know a couple of these maybe i don't know i'm hoping maybe you know el paso on the 26th and and real on the 30th maybe but I, I feel like there's a better than not chance that starting on, uh, I don't have the schedule up anymore. Uh, whatever the next one is after the fifth, I feel like there's a decent chance that that is actually going to be here. That would be a rail on the 12th. Yeah. I, I, I think that could happen. I do, I do think that's a possibility. Now, of course, a lot can change between now and then both, in a positive and a negative way. So uh, we'll just have to see, hopefully, hopefully the uh, restrictions being changed doesn't lead to a quote unquote spike um, in cases and, and have everything shut back down again. So hopefully it it stays where the governor needs it to stay and we can see some changes made. And um, I mean, we, we talked about this, uh, I believe when Josh was on that, uh, we definitely feel like they should have already been playing home matches. Um, so I, I am obviously all for um, home matches now that the numbers are even lower than what they were. Yeah. Yeah. It's just another one of those wait and see things. I mean, the governor has been very hesitant to reopen. And I think if, I, I think if this, new reopening goes poorly i think we'll just shut right back down again um i know the past couple days the number of cases reported has been higher than what their seven day rolling average they would like for it to be um so i don't know and i mean you know the you know the school board here has already said that this uh the aps has said the schools will be uh, remote learning until january and I know that uh, our youngest son's school finally followed suit and decided to do the same thing like two days ago. Uh, they were scheduled to go back next week or the week oh, after, really? I should say. Yeah, uh, they were prepared to have kids back in class on, on the 8th of September. Um, but they, they decided um, like two days ago to extend that through the end of December as well. So um, so we have here in Fort Sumner, we actually have younger grades that are in person right now. Um, I, I believe can the kindergarten class here, they have, it's a five to five to one ratio for students to teachers. Um, so I think the class is only 10, 10 kids. So they have five meet Monday, Tuesday, and then five meet Wednesday, Thursday. Um, and then my son who will be in Head Start, is actually looking to go back on the eighth um, or go in on the eighth and actually do in-person stuff on the eighth. 
Yeah, I think it's a lot. You know, there's a lot going around, a lot to consider for a new, you know, no matter who the who who the source is. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna cross our fingers for Saturday, November twelfth, or yeah, September twelfth. I'm sorry, um, against Real Monarchs SLC. Uh, but who knows? I, I think yeah, like I said, I, I my as much as I would love to see that, I honestly don't think it's gonna happen until later in September. But I don't know. It's going to be, it's just wait and see. And even then, I mean, we're still hopeful that the club will even, you know, let media in. So uh, last time we talked to the club about that, prior to all this, they didn't know what was going to happen. Um, so hopefully they figured out something for, for when that is the case and we can bring you guys coverage live from the, from the pitch, wherever, wherever the club is playing at. So. Uh, two more quick, a couple more quick bits of news. Uh, USL Championship Save of the Week voting is still open. Cody trails uh, Hunter Salte from Portland Timbers 2, currently 46 to 40%. So if you haven't voted, go do that. I don't know how much longer that voting is going to be open. Uh, I think it's still tomorrow. Tomorrow? Okay. Uh, yeah, so Cody's trailing that. Cody had a fantastic double save um, there in the last match. So. Uh, go out and vote for Cody. That's still going. Um, we had two two guys get uh, uh, nods to the Team of the Week honors this week. Amando Moreno and David Estrada both named to Team of the Week. So congratulations to those guys. Uh, Amando, of course, did score in both games over Real this past week. And he just he's really coming into his own in the club. I think he's playing particularly well right now. And of the of the newer phases, I think he's definitely had one of the, the bigger bigger seasons so far in terms of impact. So yeah, I agree there. I think I think David was technically on the bench for team of the week. Um so it's kind of like an honorable mention, but he still he still was on there, it still counts. And then Amando uh, um yeah like you like you said his performance uh the last several games have been has been uh just outstanding and um definitely definitely coming into his own and uh david with the two assists um in the midweek match last week um he looked really good he looked really good coming on on saturday so uh, he definitely deserved some recognition there Yep, completely agree. Those guys both played fantastic in both matches, and it's great to see you know more New Mexico United players get mentioned you know among some of the the top players in the league each and every week. So, and then the final bit of news I'm sure you heard about this, Jacob. Not necessarily United specific, but um, since St. Louis is earning a um, MLS club in the not too distant future st louis fc has decided to close up shop at the end of the season this year uh which is a shame they along with united both made it to the quarterfinals of the open cup last season um and st louis fc has been uh, a contender the past couple of years they're still i think they're still in playoff position currently um let me pull that up and double check that real quick but uh, I think that's a shame. I mean, do you feel like do you feel like St. Louis FC should shut down and move on, or do you think there's room for both USL and MLS in the same city? I mean, Miami's Miami's got both uh, going right now, but uh, Miami is not St. Louis, um, and I I I don't know. I don't know the market there well enough. I don't know um, how many fans St. Louis really draws. Uh, what I do know is that St. Louis does have a 
very passionate uh, supporter group, and um, it, it's sad for them to have something that they are so passionate about being taken away from them um, through really nobody's fault other than, you know, Big Brother over there in the MLS is going to bring in a club, and um, if they don't think they can support it, then then I understand it, but it does it does suck for the diehards. That's for sure. I, I couldn't imagine, um, what losing to Mexico United would be, uh, to me and you. And I know that there's some fans out there for St. Louis that are just as passionate as we, we are about new United. Um, so, uh, my heart goes out to them. Yeah. Huge shout out to, uh, the St. Luligans, the supporters group over there. Those guys are absolutely fantastic in their level of support for their club. St. Louis did average just over 4,500 uh, attendance last season. I think that's somewhere middle of the pack uh, for USL in terms of attendance numbers from last season, uh, which is good, you know, which is good for them. Uh, it's just, it's a shame that they couldn't come to a point where both clubs could support each other, potentially even be, you know, like a MLS, MLS2 type scenario. But, um, you know, hopefully those fans there find a new, a new club to support if it's not the new mls st louis then someone else you know it's, it's always it's always bad to see you know clubs shut their doors um but i mean on the plus side there was a little bit of news that leaked out as well rochester reiners maybe making a comeback i don't know if yeah you i I've, i heard just a touch about that and um was curious uh what was going to happen there? I, 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 I've heard the name. I haven't, uh, I know a little bit of the history, but I'm not super, super familiar with them. So I'm excited to see, uh, if they do come back, try to see them in action and, and whatnot is uh, pretty exciting. Yeah. They've been on hiatus, um, since 2017, as far as, as far as their, uh, appearances in the USL goes, uh, they did, they're also the only non-MLS team to have won the Open Cup. So Rochester ha- ha- the Rochester Riders have a bit of a history there. Um, now they did just announce that there's uh, they announced a partnership with Empire United Soccer Academy. So there have been some rumblings about Rochester Riders making a uh, making a return here in the next season or two, and perhaps this partnership with Empire United. Is just another step forward for for the Rhinos to to finish their comeback. That would be nice. That'd be real nice. Any anytime uh, teams that have earned their spot get to come back is nice. Just like I'd love to see the Supersonics come back in the NBA because um, <laughs> I feel like the fans got got kind of screwed there. So um, like to see teams make comebacks. Yeah, it's always good. You know, sports comebacks are always always make for a good story, and of course, they always make for a good movie as well. So, uh, you know, stuff like Miracle or uh, you know, was it uh, what's that one? Um, Invincible, you know, where yeah. uh, Marky Mark plays the football player. You know, or you know, any of the Rocky movies. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the underdog, the guy who makes the comeback. So, you know, yeah, it, it'd be great. Um, you know, it, terrible to see St. Louis leaving, but if if Rochester does make a return, I think they will fit in nicely over there in the Eastern conference. So, um, maybe Rochester gets a new supporters group out of this. Who knows? Yeah, we'll see. 
So, all right, guys, that's, that's, all, that's all the news that I could find this week. Didn't really get too much from the club. And so, I mean, we're, we're past the halfway point. We've got nine matches played now, seven matches to go. I don't, I just, you know, it's hard. It's hard to imagine that this season is nearly over already. I mean, we just got started finally, and now the season's just about done. I mean, we have, like I said, seven matches remaining. Um, I mean, what, before we get into your article, Jacob, what, what's your biggest takeaway for United here in the first half? I mean, how can it not be just where we sit on the table and, and the fact that we played all of them on the road? I mean, that is, we, we were an okay road team last year, but, um, not spectacular. I do think that we've ended up, we, we talked at the beginning of the year about how, we thought that this could be, I hesitate to say the uh, group of death, uh, but it was definitely a wide open group. Um, you know, you had El Paso and the Monarchs coming from the Western Conference Championship last year and Colorado Springs with a new coach and things looking up. Um, but then once we actually got to the season and got to actually see teams on the pitch, um, Colorado is bad. Um, like they, for the most part, always have been. Uh, the Monarchs have struggled mightily, and El Paso is uh, our younger brother who we just continue to uh, hold off. Um, every time we play El Paso, I just think of, have you seen like, you know, when the big brother is just extending his arm out all the way, holding the little brother's head, and the oh, little yeah. brother is just swinging away, trying to get to the big brother, but he's just too little. That's what I think of when we play El Paso. Um, so we actually, I feel like we kind of lucked out on the group a little bit, um, but you still, you can't take away uh, the fact that we have a seven point lead. Um, all of our matches have been played on the road. And uh, honestly, the team is just kind of coming together uh just like we thought they could back in March uh, when we talked about the new um, new signees and stuff like that. This is the team that we envisioned. Um, so, I, I, But at the end of the day, to be leading the group after playing nine road games, uh, that's, that's the biggest takeaway. Yeah, I have to agree with you there. You don't see no other club has done this this season. Now I know last season Portland Timbers played a lot of the first half of their schedule on the road due to renovations out of their stadium, but and what this is what this is turning into potentially an entire season on the road for United. Now I don't think that's ever been done in the UN history of USL. I don't think it's ever been done in the history of like MLS even. So. And honestly, I can't think of a single league anywhere where a team has had to play their entire season away from home. And I don't think you could ask for a better performance than what we've gotten out of these guys. We're seeing United win one goal matches, two goal matches. We've seen three clean sheets in nine matches. We had four all of last season. I mean, really, the only time, the only thing that we realistically looked good in every match except for Phoenix. And even then, I think that was just a couple miscues. Yeah. Like a couple uh, individuals. That's what I was going to say is that the Phoenix match, uh, you look at the final score um, 
and you see, oh, well, five, two, but you know, there, there was things there that could have easily flipped. And, uh, I'm not saying we could have won five, two just as easily as they did, but, um, it, it could have been a lot closer, uh, either a draw or even, even a one goal, New Mexico win, um, had a few things, uh, like an offside call on Dadashoff, uh, been called correctly or a few, uh, miscues on the defensive side actually been taken care of like they should have. So yeah, it, I've been thoroughly impressed with every match uh, for the most part this year. Yeah. I don't think it really, anyone can argue with that. I mean, and honestly, I think we're finally starting to get a little bit of respect over in the USL championship power rankings. They, they have us listed as sixth right now heading into this weekend. Uh, obviously in front of us are orange County, Tampa Bay, San Antonio, all of whom are undefeated. So, I mean, makes sense. Yes, Orange County has still played three fewer matches than we have, but Orange two, County, Orange County has lost now. They did. They lost on Tuesday night to Las Vegas, of all teams. Oh, that's right. No, sorry, they've got. Sorry on the uh, on the power rankings here. They've got the. Uh, yeah, got I think that was before the Tuesday game. Backwards, so. Uh, so yeah, they're four, four wins, no draws, two losses is what it looks like for them. Um, no, I think for the power rankings that came out before that match. So it's at the time it was four okay. wins, no losses and two draws. And now there are four wins, one loss and two draws. Yes, you are right. Okay. There we go. Yeah. So yeah, they were number one. Um, I mean, understandable. I mean, they've been playing very well in the matches that they have played. Uh, and then the other two clubs ahead of us are Indy 11 and Phoenix Rising. Uh, I don't think anyone can debate Phoenix Rising being ahead of us. Uh, for Phoenix being down in fifth, however, I can kind of dispute that. I mean, honestly, Phoenix has just been dominating everybody up until basically this match against uh, uh, Lights about against Las Vegas. Now, that was an unexpected result right there. I don't think anybody expected that. But uh, yeah, getting back to United, I think we're finally getting a little bit of respect here in terms of what we've been doing on the pitch. Um, and I think playing on the road uh, has definitely played into that as well. So I, I think it's, I think USL is finally, finally paying attention to the club. So, Yeah, I, I agree there. Um, I feel like USL has always somewhat respected us a little bit. I mean, I think the lowest we got this year was 12th um, in the power rankings, if I'm not mistaken. Um, even after the first loss back in March, we were still 11th or 12th, I believe. So, uh, we've, we've always been held higher than, than I thought we might be, but, but uh, being sixth is definitely, honestly, it was higher than I was expecting. I was looking on Sunday night, I was looking through the standings going, well, I think, I think they could have Reno or Sacramento or both above us. Uh, you know, they'll have Phoenix, you'll know they have Orange County, um, San Antonio, I was almost guaranteeing was going to be above us. So I thought we could be like sixth out of the just the Western Conference teams. And then you throw in some of those Eastern Conference teams. I thought we were looking at, you know, eighth, ninth, but um, definitely did get the respect there. And uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be up in sixth, even though we've talked about power rankings just being one man's opinion. So it doesn't hold a whole lot of weight. Um, but you can't ignore what we're doing now after the last three matches. And, uh, you know, we've, 
now we're going to play a team coming up uh, Saturday that we have never lost to and have dominated at times. Um, so, you know, if we get, we get another three points here, um, I expect uh, the talk about us being actual contenders to just continue to grow. Yeah, this weekend and how we've done in the past couple weeks is going to be going to be a big indicator of what's going to happen going forward. Um, I actually threw together uh, kind of a, a predictive score sheet uh, or, or or a standing sheet, I should say, that shows possible points remaining for for all the clubs. And I, you know, by the end of this weekend or into next weekend, we may start seeing a couple clubs mathematically eliminated from playoff contention. Uh, as of now, no one is currently eliminated, but uh, there are a couple of clubs that are just like hanging on by the very slimmest of margins, like a like a half Portland. percent chance. Yeah, Portland, Atlanta United. How, United is State. Portland not unanimously eliminated? Is Portland not eliminated yet? Mathematically, no. Um, I'll, let me pull it up. So it would it would basically take um, the two clubs ahead of them basically losing out, and Portland winning out for it to happen. Because if I'm not mistaken, they're sitting on zero points, aren't they? I believe you are correct. Yeah, they're, on, they're sitting on zero points. So they have a total possible points remaining of 24. And currently, both Reno and Sacramento only have 18 points. So if if by some like random chance, Reno and Sacramento either A, get wiped off the face of the earth, or B, they lose every match from here on out, and Portland wins from, you know, basically, if they win seven matches, basically, seven of their final eight, they could theoretically still make the playoffs. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna go ahead and put some money on the fact <laughs> they won't do that. But um, okay. I guess mathematically, they are still in it, in fact. But yeah, yeah that is it. We were we I I think I mentioned it here I I don't remember if it was after the Colorado match or after one of these Real Monarchs matches but the playoff spots are are I would be surprised if there's change so Group A you got Reno and Sacramento both sitting on 18 points with Tacoma at seven being the next closest I I think we can wrap that one up just about yeah yeah Group B you've got Phoenix sitting on 20. Orange County sitting on 14, uh, Los Dos sitting on 12 with Orange County and Los Dos both uh, with two games in hand um, over San Diego Loyal, who is sitting at 11. Um, I would be shocked if it's not Orange County and Phoenix there, um, just the way they're playing. Even though Las Vegas is playing a lot better, they're, they dug themselves a huge hole. Yeah, no, they definitely did. Uh, I agree with you there. I, you know, it's definitely gonna be. I, I'm about ninety nine percent sure it's gonna be Phoenix, and I could see. I mean, really, you got any one of three clubs. I think. I, I think. I think lights are gonna be on the outside looking in, no matter what you do. But between Orange County, LA Galaxy, and, and Loyal, um, I think. I think I would go with Orange County as well. But I could see Loyal making a push. Uh, and possibly coming down toward, to the wire. Yeah, I I mean, I could, but Orange County's got two games in hand over them, and um, I don't think they've played yet, or if they have, it's only been once. Um, and I expect 
I, I, I fully believe that Orange County is the better team um, and should win or should win more than they draw uh, against Loyal. So th- that's just going to be tough to overcome a what is right now a three-point deficit. But if Orange County were to win uh, the two games that they have in hand, you know, that's a nine-goal deficit uh, or a nine-point deficit, and that's uh, that might be insurmountable. And then in Group C, uh, as we know, we got United on top, uh, El Paso sitting on 12, and then Colorado Springs at six and Monarchs at four. Um, so while I've seen crazier things happen before in sports, uh, I would be surprised if it's not United and El Paso there. Yeah, looking at the... I'm, I'm looking going back and forth between the sheet that I threw up and the sheet and, uh, and the USL championship predictions over on 538.com. Um, yeah, United is currently greater than 99% chance to make the playoffs. So, I mean, they've got United as basically a lock. They've got Reno, Tampa Bay, San Antonio, and Phoenix all as basically, basically locks to, to make the playoffs at this point. Um, and looking at the rest of our group, They've got El Paso as a 74% chance to make it. And then, uh, let's see, Colorado as an 8% chance. They actually still have Real as a higher, uh, as a 19% chance to make the playoffs, even though they are dead last at the moment. Yeah. So. They do have a game in hand on on Colorado Springs, so that, true. that could be part of that. Uh, and then in Group D, um, which which is the group to pay attention to as far as we are concerned, because if we can stay on top of our group, we will be playing the second place team in group D, uh, which really is the only one that I see that is like completely up for grabs right now uh, because San Antonio is kind of running away with it at 21 points through nine matches. Um, But Austin Bold and FC Tulsa um, are fighting for that second place spot uh, with Austin sitting on, 12 points through eight matches and Tulsa sitting on 10 points through seven matches. Um, so that is really the one that I don't even know uh, who I, I actually, I think Austin should get it. I think they are a solid club um, that has an identity of, uh, has a defensive identity and, and um, should, I think uh, come out there. But this FC Tulsa squad is kind of new, and uh, they're playing pretty well. Uh, so I, I, I could see them, them jumping Austin and and uh, moving into second place. So that's in the Western Conference, especially. That's one of the ones that I'm just like. It's really the only one that I, I, I just throw my hands up and say I don't know. Um, but yeah. that's really the only one there in the West that's like that. Yeah, Group D is going to be interesting to watch. I think maybe what I'm going to do going forward is start watching a little bit of Group D as well, just to kind of get an idea uh, of the way those guys play. And looking back at what we did last year against those clubs in contention, United split the season series against Tulsa last season. Uh, They are, of course, rebranded now as uh, FC Tulsa instead of Tulsa Roughnecks FC. Um, And then Austin Bold. What did we do against Austin Bold? Let's see. We beat them. 3-1 3-1 back in May of last season, and then we drew with them in uh, yeah we drew with them in August of last season as well. 
So they were also our first match of the year this year, back in March. Uh, you may true. forget, yeah, um, where we lost one nil in Austin. So, um, man, I was just looking here though. <laughs> Poor Oklahoma City. They have not scored a goal since July 22nd. Wow. And it was just a 1-1 draw against RGV. Um, RGV is, so, is not doing well. Right. You know, they they beat Austin 3-1 back on July 17th. And then since then, 1-1 against RGV, 3-0 New Mexico, 3-0 San Antonio, 0-0 draw against RGV, 4-0 San Antonio, and 3-0 uh, sporting Kansas City too. Wow, that is a rough, rough stretch there. Yeah, they have have not played very good, and because of that, uh, they, while not completely out of it, they have played one more game than Austin and two more than Tulsa, and are only sitting on six points. Um, so they kind of fell on a very, very rough stretch there, and have kind of played their way out of the playoff picture there in Group D. So I really think um, I, I will be focusing in on some Austin and FC Tulsa matches uh, from here on out to kind of scout who we might be playing, assuming we can hold on for the first place in Group C. Uh, speaking of Austin Bold, um, they had a match last night against our Colorado Springs uh, brethren over, um, I believe that game was at Winder Field up in Colorado Springs. And uh, Austin took a 4-0 lead going into half and ended up drawing 4-4 against Colorado Springs in one of the most bizarre soccer matches I think uh, anyone will ever see. Uh, Yeah, that quickly became a meme over on the USL Pro. Yeah, it was crazy. (laughs) Uh, So um, I got to say that uh, doesn't look great uh, for them as far as uh, it, it doesn't scare me a whole lot. I mean, the fact that they can jump out to a four goal lead and a half uh, is very impressive, but to not be able to hold on to it um, against a side like Colorado Springs. Uh, um, I don't know, man, that, that that's kind of crazy. And, and I won't go into the East uh, too in depth, but for the most part, there are two groups where um, three groups, two and a half groups that are, basically wrapped up kind of like everywhere else in the in the west um the only one that's not is the group e which is indy 11 um loose city and st louis uh even sporting kc2 is kind of in the mix there uh all four of those clubs have double digit points um and are fighting uh for the two playoff spots there so just for soccer entertainment um that is a group to keep an eye on um, if you're not just obsessed with the West, uh, which I, I could kind of care less about the East most of the time. I, I follow it enough to know a little bit, but not a whole lot, but that group has been entertaining from the jump. So that is one to watch. I, I would love to see St. Louis, uh, get in somehow even, I mean, they're in a group with Indy 11 who has been a very hot team coming into uh, this year they have a uh, Tyler Tyler, I believe is his first name, Pashner. Um, yep. that is, it was just tearing the league up to begin with. Um, and then loose city of course has that new brand new stadium, um, and has been to three 
USL Championship Cups in the last three years. Uh, they've been to three in a row. So they are obviously a quality side, but I'd love to see St. Louis kind of try to fight and get away in there uh, and go out at least in the playoffs um, for their fans to have something to cheer for at the end. Yeah, I think that'd be great for them as well. Uh, so there you, go. there you guys go. You heard it right here. Uh, keep an eye on Group D uh, to see who United may be playing uh, come playoff time this season. And keep an eye on Group E uh, where all, all four Clubs are still in very much in contention. They're nine points from first to fourth uh, in that group there, and anything can happen, as we've seen uh, several different times throughout the season. Uh, let's get back to Jacob's uh, mid-season review of the club. Uh, I mean, obviously, we're not going to go word for word through our article through Jacob's article here, but uh, we do want to highlight his highlight Jacob's picks, and we'll talk about those. So first up, Jacob, you had offensive player for the first half, and you went with. Surprise, surprise, Chris Weehan. I don't think anybody can argue this here. Um, I mean, Bees has been absolutely on, on fire this season. Yeah, it was um, it was a pretty easy choice there. You know, at the time of writing, he had not scored that second, or had not scored the goal that he scored on Saturday. So he had five uh, on the season along with an assist. And um, just if you watch him with the ball um, and his runs without the ball, it just... Um, He's just everywhere, so uh, it was it was pretty easy there. As was uh, defensive player of the year or of the half season, whatever you want to call it. Um, it went to Kalen Ryden. Um, the dude still has not set a minute of the season. Uh, he's played in every single match, every single minute of every single match, and um, you know, coming off of two clean sheets in a week uh, and giving up. Uh, a fluky, I don't know if you'd call it a fluky goal. Um, it was a very talented finish, um, uh, lucky uh, to an extent, but um, very, very close to being three clean sheets in three matches last week. Um, and Kalen has been a massive, massive, massive part of that. And I, I think not just so much his play on the field, but his composure and his uh, has been there, done that type of attitude uh coming off of the championship last year with the monarchs um he just he brings a sense of calm to that back line and um him and austin had been the only ones that or had played the most minutes defensively out of everybody not including cody of course because um cody is is always there um so those two were were probably the easiest now full disclosure here guys <laughs> I haven't gotten any flack for it, but I know that uh, if you read the article and you see me put MVP of Andrew Tanari, um, you are thinking I'm an idiot. Um, I mainly did that just as a, uh, hey, look at what this guy's doing. Look at how great he's been. Uh, do I actually think he's been the MVP? Yeah, it's debatable. Um, probably not. It's probably going to be Weehan, um, or Kalen, but the dude has been incredible. And I just wanted to point that out, but I had some other ones in there that, uh, I thought, I thought were, were pretty obvious and, um, and needed to be kind of, I, I, I tried my best to talk about every single player on the club, at least in mentioning, um, what stuck out to you there, Seth? Um, really, I, I, you know, I've been, I've read through it quite a few times trying to 
prepared for tonight. Uh, I mean, you can't really argue with any of these. Um, you know, uh, I, I think Philip Beigel is the best keeper in the league. Uh, um, you know, we haven't seen Philip outside of the outside of the, the intra squad match back in March, um, but uh, you know, no, I mean, honestly, like the, everyone here, everyone on the club deserves a shout. Uh, I mean, I love I love how you mentioned you know Brucey getting the uh, the hockey assists. Um, I think Amando has really stepped up. His game has been uh, really on display the past couple of weeks. Uh, you know, it, and every single person that has come into the club this season has made such a huge impact on the club. I mean, you, we talked about the clean sheets and Kaylin Ryden and the improved play from Cody Mizell. You know, it's every single person has stepped up. Every single person has shown versatility. This club has grown so much over the last season. And I mean, really, if you talk to other people in the community, you don't hear them talking about Kevon. You don't hear them talking about Santi anymore. You know, you don't hear that. You don't hear guys going, "Oh, well, so what if we had so and so? What if you know? What about what? What about the goals?" And we don't. You know, I think it's been proven by the guys on the pitch that, sure, you know, we had Santi and Kevon last year, but we have this group now, and mm-hmm. this is the group that's going to go out. And they're going to perform week in and week out, and I think they've put together some masterful performances. They. And I, and I won't. I don't think we can sit here and say that last season was bad. I think we had poor stretches last season, but the, the run that we've been on this season has been absolutely incredible for this club. It's it's sad to me that we don't get to see what this club was capable of over a thirty four match season, um, and, and actually fully be able to compare it to last year's club. Um, at the halfway point and at the end of the season and stuff like that, because, because of the way this season's played out, you know, it's just so different than, than last year that it, it's hard to say for sure um, how the teams would differ in an actual season, but you can't argue with what we've seen so far. And they just look, they look like a better team. And, and I want to, I want to give credit to the new guys. Uh, obviously, I also want to give some credit to the coaching staff. Um, I feel like last year, in fact, um, uh, Coach Lassane mentioned it in the uh, video presser um, that happened on Wednesday, where he said that last year, see if I can remember exactly what he said without pulling it up. Last year, they were more system-oriented and um, talking about, you know, formations and stuff like that and you said this year they're more principle oriented uh which just basically means no matter what formation we're in uh what uh the situation is uh there are principles in defense and principles in attack that they wanted to stay true to uh no matter what and um i i feel like we've seen coach um be more flexible than he was last year as far as formations and tactics go. And um, uh, he admitted that uh, he may have made a mistake in changing things up for the Phoenix match. Uh, He said that he felt like maybe we were a little bit too wide open uh, because of the formation change there. And and I got to say, I kind of agree. Um, So uh, I, I feel like a lot of our progress has come from you know, Coach Lesane being in his second season as a head coach, uh, I feel like he's learned quite a bit and adapted and 
and and change just enough to um, make a huge difference uh, to go along with the new guys. And it, and it helps when you have the added depth that we have this year. Um, I mean, you saw it in the game on Wednesday. We had, I think, f- six, five or six regular starters not play or not start anyways. Um, and like I said earlier, we, we had one of our best performances uh, even with those guys on the bench. And I don't think you could have said the same thing last year. In fact, I know you couldn't because there were matches when Santi set and Kevon set and Devin set that uh, we looked um, we looked a lot different uh, when we set those guys last year. And this year, like I said, we set six of them and, and had one of our most dominant matches of the season. So um, the added depth and Troy being a little more flexible and and just learning from last year's mistakes, I think, has helped a lot. Yeah, last year we definitely saw times where you mentioned Santi and Kevon being out, either due to red cards or injury or whatever, and we didn't have the depth this you know that we do this year. We didn't have the guys that could slide into those roles and fill those positions. Sure, we had Dev and Bees last year, but. Outside of those two guys, I mean, who were we really going to put up top? Were we gonna were we gonna start Ryan Williams up top for you know all those matches? I really don't think we were. Uh, not to say that Ryan's not a talented guy, but we've seen him come on and play pretty well in the midfield for us this season. But you know, you're, it's just, it's a vastly it's a different, con, differently constructed club this year. You know, you've mm-hmm. got Amando that can slide up top. You've got Romeo that can go up top. You've got Bees, Dev, you've got, you know, guys that can, you know, Josh that can play in the midfield or, or in the back. You've got Salih that can do the same thing. You've got Bruce who can play either side of the pitch. I mean, this club is just, Troy has adapted this club and gone after signings that really make a difference. And it shows week in and week out with these guys. Yeah, and you see, like, so the two, the two main departures with Santi and Kevon last year, you know, we made signings basically right after each of those departures were announced that were almost signings that were like, hey, uh, I know we just left Santi, but guess what we're going to do? We're going to bring in Amando Moreno uh, to basically play Santi's position, and we're going to be fine. And, you know, I'm trying not to compare Amando's season so far this year to Santi's season so far this year, uh, because if that was the case, you know, Santi just gets blown away in that aspect, but trying to compare it to Santi's year last year. Um, I think Santi had a hotter stretch there where he started off uh, that first month of the season, just on fire. Um, but I just feel like Amando is just, he's more Santi turned into kind of a one trick pony. And I, I was one of Santi's, Santi's biggest defenders there towards the end of the season when he wasn't scoring. Um, everybody was saying, you know, he just, he doesn't have a left foot. He just wants to get it on the right and cut inside and get it on the right and blast it in. And that was all that he wanted to do. And, and I acknowledge that to an extent, but um, I felt like he did more than that. But Amando just does more than anything Santi uh, did for us last year. As far as a total package, he defends uh, way better than Santi ever did. Um, he's starting to finish now. Uh, he's got a couple assists in there. Um, and he seems more of a, like there were times last year when you'd see Santi 
you know, see one of his teammates mess up and you would see Santi hang his head and kind of mope back on defense. And Amando, we see none of that. Um, in fact, uh, in that second match, um, he, he, uh, I know he didn't play with Romeo, but he, he didn't, he didn't let any of that bother him. Even when they were, I think they shared the pitch for a, a few minutes there at the end. And, it wasn't it wasn't a big deal. Like he Romeo got a hockey assist on Amando's goal, and I, I I just feel like the team itself is more of a family unit um, this year than last year. Even though last year was very strong, it was a strong knit club as well. This year just seems um, that much closer to each other, and and it shows on the pitch the way they they interact on the pitch. Yeah, I have to agree with you there. There's just definitely, there's it's just a completely different feel for this club, and we we've talked about it a lot. You know, we've got balance on both wings. We can play the ball all over the all over the pitch. We can deliver from both sides, and we saw that you know David deliver across from what thirty yards into the box. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw we've seen you know uh, bees deliver crosses into the box on free kicks from over there. We've seen balls come in from the left. You know, we played through the middle. Um, and yeah, it all just it just all comes back to the versatility of, these cl- of this club, the different capabilities that these guys have compared to last season, and these guys just seem to be having a lot more fun this year. Not that they, I'm not saying they didn't have fun last year, but they're, they're having fun out there. I think and, after the break, it, getting back to play has really been a, been a really big benefit for them. And I, I think um, I think you could see at times the club having fun last year. Uh, when it was going well, but when it wasn't going well, um, they, they didn't seem to get along there as well. Whereas, I mean, we, we've played a lot less games this year and we've had a lot less duds this year than we did last year. But you look at that Phoenix match and it's not a, um, hang your head and, and let it get to you. You know, they bounced right back after that with a clean sheet against Colorado Springs. Um, and it was one of their best games all season. And then since then they've played two even better games, um, and shown that that Phoenix game was fluky, uh, for sure. And not dick did them not indicative of who they really are as a club. And I think that last year you wouldn't have seen that. Yeah, I mean, I think you're spot on with that. I really do. Um, and, and that's something that I think a lot of people have started to grow into this season as well, just noticing how this club has evolved, how they've changed, how they've, you know, really seemed to have better chemistry all the way around, you know. Um, yeah, and I think it's it's serving United well. Uh, you know, they, they've adapted to, to the schedule. They've adapted to their surroundings. They've they found ways to win and these guys just, they seem to have it all together right now. Speaking of finding ways to win, I think, uh, I think we can transition, um, to the two matches that we just had. Um, I, I do thank you all out there who did read the article and, uh, appreciate all the feedback that I've got back on it. And, um, uh, it was fun to write. And I, I think at the end of the season, we need to get together and write an article just on the new guys, uh, because there's so much meat there left on the bone. 
to talk about the new guys. Um, but we'll, we'll move on and, and go straight into the, you want to start with the midweek and work this way or start with the most recent and work back? Uh, yeah, let's, let's just start with the midweek and we'll, we'll touch on it moving to Saturday and then we'll uh, look ahead. So we, we kind of touched on it briefly. You know, we had a, a lineup that was um, not full of familiar faces that are usually in the starting lineup. And we still came out and uh, got the clean sheet, got a 2-0 victory with goals from um, Amanda Moreno. And, oh, why am I blinking on the other one? Um, oh, duh, Kaylin Ryden. Wow. <laughs> Forgot all about that. But, yeah, uh, so Kaylin scored the first goal there uh, against his former team. He opened up his account with New Mexico United, which is um, something that we've been saying a lot lately because a lot of people are are scoring um, for the first time in a United uniform. Uh, and I think that just goes to uh, the fact that the team is just meshing well together and, and everybody's kind of getting to know each other and knowing where they're going to be. And, you know, David put a beautiful ball into Kalen uh, at the back post and he, he knows what to do with it when you put him back there uh, unmarked. So, so that was a great goal. And then the Moreno goal was another spectacular one. Um, real quick, it was off a goal kick. Uh, Cody... Uh, bombed it down the side. Romeo got it over to uh, Estrada. Estrada up over the top um, to Moreno, who I believe it was one touch, uh, kind of chipped the keeper there because he got behind the back line and just had the keeper to beat, and it went to the back of the net. Um, just some beautiful soccer there. Um, I saw a lot of people, a lot of people getting on uh, Romeo Parks's case and talking about how terrible he was and and this and that and the other. And look, yes, he didn't finish. Uh, he lacked a little bit of composure there. But guys, he led his league last year uh, in the uh, third division in Ireland, or second division, third division in Ireland, I believe. Um, he knows how to finish. He is a goal scorer. Um in his USL days before he went over to Ireland, he, he scored goals. Like he knows how to, and you see that with the finish that he had against Phoenix. Um, so that's going to come. What, what sticks out to me is you don't see dev makes the kind, you don't see Devin make the kind of runs that Romeo made, uh, to get into those dangerous positions. Um, and I love dev to death. Um, He's done so much for the community and so much for the club. And and I, I think he is a great player in his own right. Um, I want the guy that gets in there and gets those chances and is one-on-one with the keeper three times in one match uh, because eventually he's going to finish those. And if he can consistently get into those positions, uh, that's going to work out in our favor big time. Yeah, I don't. I didn't really get all the the hate on Romeo either. Um, you know, if you have issues with Romeo not scoring in one match, I direct you to players such as Romelu Lukaku or Miguel Almoron, who did not score for quite a while. Uh, just seemed to not have great matches. It happens. Everyone has a bad match. That doesn't mean that he wasn't playing well. He just didn't finish well. Uh, I think that. It just it was it was overblown. It was overblown that the the hate on Romeo uh, as far as that goes, and 
I, I think he's going to have a, a rebound match here pretty soon. To me, it reminded me of an early match from last year. Um, it was Tacoma. Um, Kevon had three chances, very similar to Parks's. Um, he blasted one over the bar. Uh, one got saved, and he missed wide on another, I believe. Um, and at the time, you know, he hadn't really scored. He did end up scoring in that game, and that was the big difference between his game and Parks's game. But um, until then, you know, he he really hadn't scored much for us. And then we know what he did. He led the team in goals, um, was a spectacular finisher there at the end, took all of our PKs, um, and was just was just really good for us on the offensive end. Now, there were things about Kavan that drove me nuts, but just talking about finishing, um, it reminded me of that very much so because he just he struggled to finish, and then all of a sudden he caught fire the rest of the year. Now, Romeo isn't going to have know 30 more games to try to figure it out like Kevon did but he's going to get on the score sheet again multiple times before the end of the season um he just he's 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 so big and he's so fast and and talented that that he's going to put himself in those positions and um for those complaining about him and saying that he's terrible and this and that and the other um i do you just got to be patient guys he it'll come it will come and and um uh i i have no doubt in saying that it will he will finish um some of those chances in the future uh for us this year yeah yeah just preach patience to the folks i mean that that's all there is to it i mean it's gonna happen it just you know like i said everyone has a bad match uh, everyone's missed shots. I mean, we missed a lot of shots last season. You know, we've still missed shots this season that we probably should have converted. Um, it's just, yeah. You, I mean, Romeo is putting himself in positions to score. And you do that enough times, you're going to get the goals. That's all there is to it. And it, and it's crazy to me that in a game that we won 2-0 uh, for our second clean sheet in as many matches, a game that Ryden scored against his former team, a game that's a game that Moreno came in off the bench and scored. Um, that was just uh, aside from possession, it was just complete domination by us for so many people to just be complaining about the fact that we got four chances that were point blank, basically that were missed. How is that your takeaway from that match? Like I just, I still don't understand. Uh, I didn't understand the the hate for him, but um, I digress. It was still a fantastic match. Um, we got the clean sheet. Like I said, Cody made a couple spectacular saves. Um, I believe that his save that is on uh, for save of the week is actually from that match, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but they, they kind of blend together since they were both against the Monarchs. But um Nonetheless, it was is a fantastic game uh, that saw our bench step up huge um, and gave us uh, us the fans um, great confidence in the fact that we have um, you know how how deep do you think we go? I mean, I, is there anybody on this team that when they if they were to be put in that you would be like, Ugh, I don't know, because I can't I can't think of anyone. Um, 
Alenvi was one that I was worried about to begin with, but um, he's come in and done spectacular. Um, we haven't seen Sammy that much um, in meaningful minutes, and I would love to get a chance to see him. But you know, no matter who's on that back line or who's in the midfield or who's up top, I'm I'm just confident that they're all going to do their job and get it done, no matter who it is. And that's the whole roster, which is way more than you could say about the team last year. Yeah, I mean, there are a couple of guys that I would definitely like to see get more match time. You know, Sammy being one of them. Um, you know, Ryan is honestly Ryan has not been like high on my list. Um, he just he always seems to be like the odd man out. You know, I mean, last season you had you know Juan Pablo and uh, you know, Mohamed. Mohamed played yeah. a lot of minutes with, with Guzman there in the middle last year. Yeah, you, you have those two guys in there, and then you had Tony Soler, you had Bees playing mid, you, you had all those guys who were, in my opinion, more skilled than Ryan was, had better physicality, better, you know, uh, better awareness than Ryan did. But, I, you know, Ryan's played well this season. And, and to be fair, last year, Ryan was in a walking boot for mm. the majority of the season. Um, and it, and if you go back before the injury and look in our first couple of matches, I think you see a different player than you see at the end of the season there last year. Um, so I do think that now that he's healthy this year, you're seeing a little bit more of what he's capable of. And uh, he's come in and he's he's provided valuable minutes there in the midfield. I think Guzman and Tenari are our best duo right there. Um, but to have somebody like Ryan Williams be able to give them a night off or come in for them in the 60th minute or something like that and not have a significant drop off. Um, it, it's big for me. It's hard for me to really gauge midfield play. Um, it's something that I've been focusing on a lot this year. And because I've been focusing on it a lot this year, I have seen more of what Ryan does. Um, and Ryan is a guy that, while his passes aren't super aggressive because he's more of a holding mid than an attacking mid, um, he completes his passes. He doesn't really make mistakes uh, on the defensive side of the ball, even though he also is small in stature, he still tries and gets after it. So, so I, I, I've been, I've been impressed with him more this year than last year, which I think is the point that you were getting at. Yeah, that's exactly what I was trying to say. You know, yeah, looking at how he played last year to what he's what he's done so far this year, um, he's definitely been more impressive in his level of play. Um, I agree with you. He is more of a, uh, I see him as more of a defensive mid uh, than you know a cam or something and someone in that role. You know, going forward, uh, his distribution's been good. Uh, his pass accuracy has been pretty good. So I yeah, I feel like this year, I mean, he I feel like he's definitely better suited for for this season's style of play than it was last year, especially with how fast they want to play up the wings. Um, so yeah, I, I think Ryan's made strides um, and he's, no, you know, he's not someone that I would really look at. I don't really see a weak link, you know, in, in the squad to be completely honest with you. Um, I mean, there are some guys that again, it's just like, I'd like to see them get more match time before I give a definite, okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm completely comfortable with this person you know, this guy being in the squad, but, uh, yeah, I, I think I'm good with everybody. Yeah. I just, um, I'm, I, I scrolled through the, the roster one more time and, uh, 
just as a small exercise, I'm just going to read the roster real quick, uh, just for everybody out there. You know, we got Cody Mizell and Philip Beigel at the goalkeeper. I would love to see Philip get some some run, uh, see him get some time in between the posts there, and I, I, I think it'll it'll come eventually. Um, but our defenders, Austin Yearwood, Sam Hamilton, Josh Suggs, David Najem, Rashid Tete, Justin Schmidt, Kalen Ryden. All of those are just so, so I mean, Austin has made a team of the week. Um, Kalen Ryden, we talked about him. Um, Suggs, we've talked about him um, and his versatility and the fact that he was a captain and played um, on the back line for us all last year. Sam is versatile as well, um, has been playing center back uh, along with Tete there next to Ryden. Tete, who I thought last year was our best defender, um, has struggled at times this year, but is still really, really good. Um, and I think once he gets healthy, he'll be even better. Um, then you go to the midfield. You got Ryan Williams, who we just talked about, Guzman, Amanda Moreno, Christopher Weehan, Salim Muhammad, David Estrada, Andrew Tanari, Daniel Bruce, and Jory Salinvi. Um, we've seen all of those guys play. We've seen them all play very well. Um, it, it's And then forwards, Devin, Sammy, and Romeo. There's not a weak link on this roster. There really isn't. Um, and it's awesome to see that depth being able to be utilized. And and I think that in this short season, uh, where some people might not say that it's as important, I think it's, it's just as important as in a longer season, um, just because every game matters that much more. So it... it it, it's just a testament to to the way uh, Coach Lassane built this squad in the offseason and the way he's utilized it so far this year that um, it, it's just, it's I love it. it. It makes me so excited. Yeah, there's, a, I, there's definitely a lot to be excited for. And, you know, looking at the way the club played last week against, you know, both, oh, hello. Sorry, my cat just jumped up on the desk again. <laughs> um, seeing how the club played in both matches last week against uh, the defending champions has gone a long way, I think, for in a, to a lot of people to say, hey, look, you know, this squad really has a chance this season, and they're going to basically give it everything they've got. And, you know, looking at the, at the results, I mean, you know, again, last three matches, 1-0 win, 2-0 win, 2-1 win. They're winning the close matches. We're not scoring four or five goals like we were at times last season, uh, but we're much more solid defensively. And I think that's going to be one of the biggest factors here coming down next, you know, three or four weeks, you know, can we continue to hold off, you know, El Paso? Can we continue to hold off uh, Real? Um, And I think, honestly, I think by the time Colorado rolls around on nine on September 19th, I think we're going to pretty much know at that point where we're going to end up as far as the, the seeding goes in the tournament. Agreed. Um, and by know where we're going to end up, I'm pretty sure what you're saying there is by then we're going to have the group wrapped up and we're going to finish in first place uh, because I don't see us at that point. We're either going to be so far ahead or we're going to be fighting for the number one spot still. El Paso is not going to just take us over and run away with it uh, by then. So, um, but yeah, I, the the results just keep coming and and the defense. We'll talk. Let's talk about the the Saturday match now. Um, Saturday we played Real Monarchs again, uh, again over in Utah, 
And again, we score two goals. Uh, we do give up a goal in this one, but it's still a two, one win. Um, we talked about possession earlier this match. We, we kind of dominated possession with 61% of it. Um, and, and it, it's weird that that was the case, uh, that we led possession by so much when we scored in the fifth minute and had the lead the whole time. Um, and they still got dominated or we still dominated them in possession. Uh, usually when you see a team get out like that, uh, especially what we saw Weehan score in the 48th minute. So basically the whole second half, we were up 2-0. Uh, well, actually not the whole second half because they came back uh, pretty quickly after that Weehan goal. But we were up 1 or 2-0 basically the whole match. Um, or, or by one or two goals, I mean, basically the whole match. And Monarchs still couldn't muster uh, enough possession or enough attack to really threaten us. I mean, I don't know about you, but even after they scored that first... I will say when they scored the f- their first goal at first, oh, right after they scored it, I was a little nervous. Um, but then once the match settled down again, it was like, oh yeah, we're the better club. Uh, we're going to win this. Uh, it's really not uh, not in question. Uh, did you kind of have that same feeling? I was muted there. Um, yeah, honestly... I didn't really see any sort of challenge in Saturday night's match. Um, I mean, sure, they did pull back the one goal early in the second half, but uh, just w- with how strong our defensive play had been and really just kind of a, a fluky goal for them, uh, it really just didn't seem like Real had what it was going to need in order to beat us on Saturday night. You know what I? You know what I think it was for me. It had nothing to do my um, my worry when they scored that first goal. Had nothing to do with um, how we've been playing this season, and had everything to do with flashbacks to last season not being able to hold on to leads late in games. Um, that it that is exactly what it was. I can guarantee you. Uh, and it was just me going, ooh. Uh, this is where we, you know, we give up the one in the 53rd and then we give up one in like the 70th. Um, and all of a sudden it's tied and then we're struggling to, to keep, um, to, to get a result there. Um, so that's just what it felt like at first there. And, and I think that's, that was where my apprehension came from when they scored that first goal. But then, like I said, once they started going, then I was like, oh yeah. Um, this isn't last year's club. This is 2020's club and we're a lot better and we're a lot deeper, uh, and a lot more sound defensively. And we're going to see this one out. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. That's something that we've come kind of come to expect here this season that we're going to see solid play on at both ends. We're not necessarily going to give up, uh, the ball a lot. We're going to play a lot of press. We're going to, you know, try to capitalize on their mistakes and, we've been able to execute the the game plan pretty much, I mean, pretty much to a T every single week. I mean, we see clubs that like to build out of the back, like El Paso, and or and they, and they just they can't do it, you know, because they're under so much duress from, from our attack. You know, we see, we saw uh, Colorado and Real, they both kept shooting from outside the box because they weren't finding space. They weren't able to get in. And so 
I think there are a lot of different components that go into it, but ultimately it comes down to the, you know, that the back three to five, however, you know, Troy has them lining up at the time that are really just preventing clubs from getting better looks than what, than what we saw all of last season. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, that, that press and stuff against El Paso, uh, really kind of counters what they like to do. And, and, um, just all in all, the defense has just been, been such a breath of fresh air compared to last year and being able to hold on to, uh, to leads and, and finish and stuff like that. It's just, um, it's something that, that killed us last year that we have addressed and, and we just look really good. So, um, I don't have anything else on that last match. Um, if you do, feel free to jump in. But otherwise, we'll we'll look ahead to the Colorado Springs match uh, coming up in a couple days. I say let's move right along. Awesome. So we got Colorado Springs uh, yet again. Uh, it's a team that we have beat every time we have played them, including um, two matches this year, two matches last year, and an open cup match last year. Um, so we go to Colorado again on Saturday, the 29th, which like I said, is just in a couple days. Um, I know last, uh, the last time we played them, I talked about how hard it was going to be to beat the same team, uh, four times, um, in a season, most of which are going to be on the road. It looks like if not all of them. And, uh, I take it all back. I think we're going to kill them. <laughs> I think, I think, uh, I think that they are um, just not, not up to snuff this year. And uh, as much as I like to root for them, I mean, they're the only reason why we made the playoffs last year because uh, they fought back from a man down and tied San Antonio um, uh, to to get us on the playoffs last year. And other than uh, if it wasn't for that, then we wouldn't have made it. And, uh, I, I, I like Colorado Springs. Um, I, I think they have talent. I think they, um, kind of underperform, but all that being said, I, I don't see how we lose to them this year. Uh, after all, I, I thought we would get tripped up once, but it just watching them, watching us play them. We just have their number. Yeah. I, I have to agree to an extent. Like I, I think that, Again, we're gonna we're gonna get a win. I don't necessarily think we're gonna dominate them. Uh, you know, in, in the match that they just played, they did you know come back and score four second half goals in a match. So they have scoring ability. Now, again, that was <clears throat> against Austin Bold. Uh, Bold are, have been kind of suspect at times defensively. Now, I definitely think that we are better defensively than, than they are. Um, I mean, both Colorado and Austin Bold, obviously, but. You know they've got guys who you know, Christian Valeski, they've got George Labisi, that that can score, that can create opportunities, that can be dangerous. Um, so I'm gonna have to go with uh, a a three one, but I think we, I think it's gonna go something like we're gonna go up two nil early. They're gonna we're gonna surrender one around the half around half or just after the half, and then we'll add a third. So. Okay, I was gonna say. So you just said you don't think we'll dominate them. No, then no, no. Then you have no. us putting three on them and winning by two goals. Um, yeah. I, I, I think it'll be a two-one win. Um, it, it just we we like those two-one wins this year. We've had three of them already. Um, 
it'll be another one goal win. We've had four of those already. Uh, I don't, we have their number in a mental makeup way. Uh, I think, I don't know that, um, I, I don't think they're a drastically worse team than Real or El Paso or anything like that. I just think they have it in their heads that they can't beat us because they can't. Um, and because of that, I think, uh, Similar, I think we go up 2-0 and then end up conceding one, kind of like we did against the Monarchs, um, and and walking out of there with a 2-1 win uh, for the second time this year. Um, it's going to be an interesting game, though. You mentioned some names there with Valeski and Labisi that um, they definitely have a chance to attack and put up some numbers, and uh, they've got some confidence coming off of this uh midweek match but at the same time you know they just played a midweek match um one that they had to exert a lot of effort in the second half to pull out a result so uh we'll have to see what that took out of them and see if if they have enough energy and enough uh, mental makeup to bounce back um and and put up a fight against us coming up on saturday um so so we normally do the 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 guesses for the score there. Uh, how do you see the rest of the season going though? Uh, both on a, uh, on a macro sense, as far as do we finish at the top of the table and uh, what do we do in the playoffs a little bit and stuff like that. But also like, who are some guys that you think will, will have some outstanding second half Does we can um, continue his form throughout the whole season. Um, do we see Romeo jump up in goals? Does Amando uh, just kind of run away with, um, team MVP at least all of a sudden and come on hot. Uh, what do you see happening there? All right. As far as the rest of our season goes, I mean, we've got two more against El Paso, two more. Well, really we've got two more against each of the clubs within our group. We've got one against RGV. RGV is going to be a gimme win. I think we see uh Philip Beigel in that match. Um, he's going to get some no, run there. No offense, Ron. No offense. Yeah, sorry, Ron. If you're listening, we love you, man. You're 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 awesome, and we appreciate everything you did for the club. But RGV is going to get stomped uh, in September by United uh, again. I think Philip plays that match. Honestly, I think depending on the outcome of the next four, I think we could see Philip in like uh, RG in like towards like the last three matches in the, in September. Uh, I think that'd be a good run up to the playoffs for him, get him some match time, and uh, I think that would just go to show just again, how much depth that we have. Um, I really don't see us losing maybe once or twice at, at worst. Um, maybe one of the El Paso matches, maybe one of the Salt Lake matches, maybe, but if anything, I, yeah, I think El Paso is going to be one of the ones to watch for. Um, they could pull something out of a hat. Uh, at some point, but yeah, I, I, you know, I think the top sport is ours. Um, I'd have to look at El Paso's remaining schedule to know where exactly they still have to go as far as their group play or if they have any other out of group matches. I don't know. Um, but, I, think they yeah. have, I think they have Portland. Um, I can't remember if it's them or Salt Lake, but one of them has Portland, which is, annoying because that's basically like RGV, a gimme win. Um, but I kind of agree there. We, uh, I don't, I, I'm staring at the schedule going, well, we play them really well. We're going to win that one. Uh, they've never beat us. So we're at least going to draw. Uh, 
Um, we just beat them twice in one week, so we're probably going to beat them. Uh, Colorado Springs again, we beat them. We play them really well. RGV, like you said, is a gimme. Uh, El Paso, again, has never beaten us. And Salt Lake uh, is just not there this year. Um, so gut reaction, we lose once. We probably lose one of those El Paso matches, if any. Um, but a large part of me thinks we don't lose again. And there is not a single part of me that thinks we lose more than two matches the rest of the way. And because of that, first place is, unless those two losses come against El Paso, um, both El Paso matches and El Paso can win the rest of theirs. Uh, that basically means we have first place cinched and, um, we don't really have to worry about it. Uh, yeah, that I, I keep, I, I hadn't sat down and looked at our schedule, but I just, now that I'm looking at it, I'm like, we're going to, we're just running away with this thing, aren't we? Yeah, we easily could. Um, you know, Colorado's not playing as well as some folks predicted. Uh, Real definitely isn't, isn't either. And it's supposedly, you know, group of death, you know, the crazy outcome group just, isn't turning out to be that way. And I know we expected it to be, uh, to be harder. I know the club probably didn't. I assume you know, most folks around the league expected this group, you know, of course, you know, with three playoff play- teams from last season to be w- one of the absolute hardest ones to, to walk away with. But I mean, looking at United's play on the pitch, what they've accomplished so far, given all of that, it's just, it's hard to pick against them. It really is. Um, as far as how we do in the playoffs, that I, I don't know. I think we're still a little too far out from that. Uh, if we get Austin Bold in the first round, I, I feel like we're, we would be Austin Bold and move forward. Um, I mean, this club is playing good enough to, I think, potentially make it to the finals. Um, you know, it just depends on where where we go. You know, who do we who do we face off? And with any luck, we won't see Phoenix until the Western Conference Final, which I, I think is you know probably the the best case scenario for for anybody playing Phoenix. So, well, so I we I mean it is set in stone that we will play the second place team in Group D, and then the winner will be if we win, we will play whoever wins out of the second place team from us and the first place team from over there. So, so Phoenix, Reno, Orange County, Sacramento, all of those teams, uh, will be on the opposite side of the bracket. Um, and we won't have to face them till the final. And because of that, uh, you know, San Antonio looks really, really tough. Um, so I, I think we kind of can, can agree on the fact that if we play Austin or even FC Tulsa, um, I can see us getting past them. Um, it, it really comes down to, I mean, the final four that could be in the West, um, with Phoenix, San Antonio, us, and then, um, anyone from Orange County to Reno to Sacramento, um, that would play Phoenix. Um, that is a very, very tough final four. Um, and and it's at that point, it's hard to say that we'd have to see what San Antonio looks like at the time and and stuff like that to see what happens. And honestly, one of the best things that could happen, honestly, is if El Paso were to finish in second place, uh, if they could get past uh, San Antonio in the first round, then then we'd be playing El Paso again. And <laughs> and that would be, 
that'd be interesting and i'd feel a lot a lot better about that uh just because of our record with el paso so far well, if you're hoping for a San Antonio-El Paso match, you actually don't have to wait too long. Uh, El Paso does have one match remaining that is out of group, and that is against San Antonio on September 12th. Oh, okay. Nice, nice. So we may get a, a preview of that there. We may see a good chance to see just how good San Antonio is um, ahead of you know, any potential you know, playoff appearance. So That would um, be, that'd be kind of interesting to get... Um two rematches out of group in the the playoffs when we had such a weird out of group schedule uh if austin were to make it and then san antonio and el paso were to play each other um we we'd already have seen those matchups once this year which is which is probably not something that we thought was going to be likely with this new um schedule that came out from the restart yeah i don't think anyone would have expected that at all so um, I mean, the rest of the season looks looks very bright for United. Um, I definitely think we've got guys. You know, I think Bees uh, could potentially you know end up you know double, most likely end up double digit goals. Um, I mean, he's got seven more opportunities to get four. Uh, you know, Amando could potentially possibly you know, pop up about seven eight goals. Um, you know, I think we get that fourth clean sheet. Uh, I think we, in fact, I think we get, you know, five or six to be completely honest with you. Um, the club is playing just, the club's just playing really well. I think we have a lot going for us right now and looking at the final seven matches, I just, I think everything is just falling New Mexico United's way right now. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think, um, I, I mentioned it in my article over the weekend that, um, I think we need to keep an eye out on Romeo and Rashid Tete. Um, I think both of them could have huge second halves of the season. Uh, I expect Moreno and Weehan to continue their form. Uh, I expect Devin to see a few more goals come his way um, the rest of this year. I, I, I think that we have, I think we have one five nil win. Um, on the schedule somewhere. I don't know who it'll be against. It might be the RGV one. I don't know. Um, but I could see just a massive, massive, uh, win coming up, uh, at some point in the second half where you see a bunch of people get on the score sheet. Um, maybe see somebody with a hat trick here sometime in the second half. I, I could see, I could see Amando and Chris finishing in double digit goals, um, which, I think is saying a lot when you look at the fact that it's going only going to be a 16 game season. And I think if you look at Weehan, I think he could be the MVP if it wasn't for a gentleman named junior Flemings over in Phoenix, uh, at the moment, uh, we could see a junior might fall off a little bit, but, um, we'll just have to see there, but yeah, I, I'm excited for the rest of the season. Um, I, I, like you said, I think it just seems to be falling our way. Um, and, and uh, everything's looking looking good for for the last seven matches here. So um, I think that'll about do it for us. Uh, Seth, you got anything else over there? All I have to say is somos Unidos, guys. Well said, well said. Um, so with that, guys, we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and hop off tonight. Uh, for those of you that popped in on Twitch, thank you very much. And um, you know, catch us again next week as we recap the Colorado Springs match. Um, hopefully it'll be on Tuesday next week. Uh, that's the thing is, you know, people that have families and kids and, 
lives outside of this. Uh, sometimes it doesn't fall when it's supposed to, but we do our best to get it out to you when we're supposed to. And and if not, uh, don't worry. We, we've only missed one week, I think, this season, and that was my fault. So, and that was just because I moved. So um, catch us again next week here on Twitch and, and in the podcast player. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, please rate and leave a review. That's awesome. Uh, helps us out a lot there. Um, catch us on social media. We've got the Suncast on Twitter. We've got Somos Unidos News on Twitter. We've got the Somos Unidos News Facebook page. Um, you can reach out to Seth or myself. Uh, you can catch me on Facebook uh, for the most part. Uh, you can catch Seth on Twitter um, and PM us there if you want to get a hold of us or email us at d- Jacob at Adventures Media or Seth at DadventuresMedia.com. And um, other than that, guys, uh, stay safe this weekend. Um, go out and support some restaurants. Go and eat uh, eat at your favorite places there. Give them some business and um, catch the Colorado Springs match this Saturday at 6 o'clock. Uh, so until next time, guys, somos unidos. Listening to Suncast, the official podcast of Somos Unidos News. All of our shows are recorded live from Albuquerque and Los Lunas, New Mexico, are written and produced by Seth Bidoff and Jacob Terrell, and are edited by Seth. Special thanks to Jeff, too, on YouTube for the music you hear in every episode. All episodes are recorded and edited using Clean Feed and Audacity. All of our shows are proudly hosted on Pinecast.